Our last message in this month on prayer, I want to thank you for your prayers for my voice. I've had a little difficult week. Is the text that we would like to draw you back to after the scripture reading of a few moments ago. In the middle of that verse is the word pattern. I hope you will underscore it, as I have in my Bible, that Jesus Christ is a pattern, and he is a pattern to a certain group of people. And notice who that group is. To those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. I want to talk to you this morning on the subject, the power of a perfect pattern. Many years ago, a medical missionary by the name of Dr. Ayers went to China and through his foreign missions board was given a set of plans, a set of blueprints for a home to be built there in China, and so he shared that with those who could do the work. And one evening, while entertaining a fellow missionary in his finished home, the visitor related one of his experiences in China. He said that from America had come this beautiful piece of goods to make a suit for him out of. And so he took it to a Chinese tailor and said he would like a suit of clothes made, and the Chinese tailor was perplexed. He said, I would need a pattern to go by. So he suggested that the missionary go home and bring him one of his suits that he could use as a pattern. So he did, and after a few weeks, the tailor invited him back for the finished product, and he was just absolutely flabbergasted when he saw his new suit. The trousers were patched at the accustomed place. The elbows of the coat had patches in them just as his pattern, his old suit. The Chinese tailor had made it exactly like the old suit. You might think about that the next time you see these Hong Kong advertisements. Patterns are important, but it is important to have the right pattern in order to come up with the right thing. What kind of pattern are we following in our lives? It is our observation from this side of the pulpit that many times we're looking at the wrong pattern. And our lives come up with patches and all kinds of problems because we're not following the pattern that has been prescribed. That is the case every week of this ministry as we try to counsel people and pray with people and help people into wholeness. The pattern is wrong. They didn't look after winners. They looked after losers. They didn't follow the blueprint that was projected for them by our Lord Jesus Christ. So I want us to look at the power of a perfect pattern today as we wrap up the month of April. The first pattern that Jesus sets forth for us is our pattern in worship. In Luke, the fourth chapter, verse number 16, it says, as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. As his custom was. As long as Jesus Christ was here on earth, he went to church. 
He did it regularly. And I don't believe he let the football season interrupt him or the baseball season or the family picnic. I do not believe Jesus let anything interrupt him from his pattern in worship. As his custom was, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. Why? Obviously, things happen in the house of God that do not happen in other places. It's obvious. That's why he established this and why the writer to the Hebrews says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Herein is an area where we're looking at the wrong pattern. What is the pattern in America today? The pattern is in decline. Thank God our church has been growing for many years. We're very thankful for that, but that's not the case everywhere because America has lost its moorings. People who ought to be in the house of God on the Lord's Day don't even know what the house of God is. They are moving here and there and everywhere and wondering why their lives are coming to pieces. They're wondering why all of the heartache. We have not followed the pattern. In that church, on that Sabbath day, Jesus read from Isaiah the prophet and said, this day is the scripture fulfilled. He has sent me to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. What a powerful statement in the house of God. Every need that we could envision, he wrapped up in that one paragraph. And what was he really saying to us? He was saying that in this setting, such as we are in today, I will come and perform these things in your life. I'll heal your bruises. I'll open your eyes so you can see. I will set you at liberty. I will take the bonds off. And I will give for you what you cannot receive in any other place or in any other way. Now I want you to latch on to that because I believe it. I believe that is the pattern that God wants us to get back to as families and as individuals in the household of God. And as he wove that pattern for them on that day, the scripture for, uh, further says in Luke 4 that they were astonished at his doctrine for his word was with power. In other words, what he said had power to it and indeed was coming to pass. As they looked around and saw the people who were responding to his ministry, blind eyes were open, captives were set free, people who had been in bondage were no longer in bondage because Jesus Christ was there. Now, friends, every time we come into the house of God, 
we should recognize that divinity is present to thwart the works of the devil and bring victory in our lives. You may not have thought of that when you came in the door a few moments ago, but I pray that every time in the future you walk into the church house, you will remember that Jesus Christ is here to do what he said he would do when he stood in that synagogue hundreds of years ago. I will heal your hurts. I will forgive your sins. I will set the captive free. For he said, where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there in the midst of them. That's why we need to follow the pattern that has been set forth. If I am to understand what Jesus was saying here, he was saying the church should be a dynamic place. And what we do here should be a dynamic experience. A pastor was told one time that he had a model church, and he was very complimented by that. But as is the case sometimes when we hear words, we go to the dictionary to see exactly what they mean, and he had a little trouble with that word model. He wanted to see exactly what it meant. And so he pulled the dictionary off the shelf to the M section, and he saw the word model, and to his amazement it said, a small imitation of the real thing. And unfortunately, a lot of people have put together what they think is the model church. They have it all down sophisticated like. It's right down to the minute, to the second, every little thing. The choir's in place. The reader is in place. The songs are there. Everything is such a model, but it's just an imitation of the real thing. What's the real thing? It's the presence of Jesus. It's the presence of the living God there. It's God working in the pew. It's God working on the platform. It's God working as we walk out of this place. It's Jesus Christ manifest in us. Jesus, as his custom was, went to the synagogue. May it be your custom without wavering. May you be able to look back years hence and say, I can't remember a Lord's Day. I wasn't in the house of God in the morning, in the evening. I can't remember a week. I wasn't in the Bible study. I was there supporting the work of God and receiving from Jesus what he had to offer me in that setting in the house of God. Power, power. An answer to your need and to your longing is in the house of God. The problem is we're there one Sunday and we're gone the next. We come back and then we're gone too. And God cannot work his mighty work in us when we don't make it a pattern like he made it a pattern in his own life. Jesus Christ is the pattern to follow. Not your neighbor, but he, as his custom was. Secondly, Jesus Christ was a pattern in temptation. Hebrews 4.15 says he was tempted in all points like as we are. And how does that verse end? Yet without sin. Boy, what a pattern. You see, the problem we have is that you pattern yourself after me or after others that you know, and those patterns fail us. They've got patches there's only one perfect pattern, and that's Jesus. And the pattern in temptation is that he was tempted in everything. 
but he did not sin. I cannot say that of myself, nor can you. And there have been some gross failures around lately that have told us you can't pattern yourself after man. You have to pattern yourself after Jesus. We have no right to say, I couldn't withstand the temptation, because he did. He was tempted in all points and did not fail. And so by his own life, he is calling us to a similar stance. When we see him face life as he did with all of its obstacles and yet was not overcome by it but stood up against it and succeeded without failure, what a challenge it is to my life and to your life. He's the ideal pattern. He resisted the enemy. And I've been asked, how do you succeed in defeating temptation? Just one way, Jesus' way. Well, what is Jesus' way? Simply, he resisted the enemy when the enemy approached him, plain and simple. We do not. We want to talk to him. We want to reason with him. Jesus didn't do that. If you're going to follow the pattern, do it like he did. Get thee behind me, Satan. You see, devil was never out in front of Jesus. He was always behind him. And that's where he belongs. Not out leading us, but following us. I don't mind as long as he's behind me, because I can run fast. As long as I can keep him back there, I'm fine. That's where Jesus had him. Get behind me. Some of you have him out in front of you, leading you along. And you're following other patterns, and they're patterns that the devil has put in your pathway. You've got to do what Jesus did. Turn and say to him, get behind me, Satan. I'm not going to live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I'm not going to live by the lust of the eye, the pride of life, or the lust of the flesh. I'm going to follow one pattern, Jesus Christ, who resisted temptation every time it came, didn't play with it. He resisted it. And you can do the same thing, but you've got to determine to do it. When tests in this life come, we have a high priest who can be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, who is in all points tempted like we are, yet did not succumb. So we turn and look at Satan and say, get thee behind me, and we turn to Jesus and say, uphold me, blessed Savior, lift me up, carry me through, and will he? Yes, he will, every time. We need not fall. He is our pattern. Thirdly, he is our pattern in service. In Acts 10.38, it says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, and that is our pattern. There is assembled in this place today hundreds and hundreds of people with gifts from God, gifts to teach, gifts to serve, usher gifts, parking gifts, secretarial gifts, all kinds of gifts, musical gifts. What is the pattern? God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. That's the pattern. As he anointed Jesus, Jesus came along and said, I want you to go and tarry in the upper room until you're endued with power 
from on high. I will anoint you to go out and touch my world. Now, the problem is that we're trying to do it in our own strength, and there's nothing more debilitating than to try to do it yourself. The great text of the Pentecostal Evangel, our weekly periodical, is this. It is not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. I repeat that, I believe, every Lord's Day as I'm approaching my responsibilities in this pulpit. It is not by might, it is not by power, but it is by my Spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. If anything lasting takes place here today, it will not be because of a pastor or pastors or whatever else we put in place. It will be because of the anointing that Jesus received and passed on to you and to me. He is the pattern in service to do it with anointing. I have a friend by the name of Don Papano. Don is uh, partially a staff member at Bethany Bible College, and I was with him on Friday in a trustee meeting. Don has four sons in the ministry, and he's really by uh, occupation a painter, but he's also a minister. He paints with the anointing. He ministers with the anointing. He's just anointed. Don Papano has a speech impediment. And so the story that Don told the Bethany Bible College students says it in a brief, as brief a way as I know how to say it. He was introduced by President Foth to preach in the chapel, and he was excited. He's an exciting man. He got up, and with his impediment, he said, I woke up this morning anointed. And he said, when I got in the shower, I was anointed. And when I put my clothes on, I was anointed. When I got in my car to drive to Denny's for a cup of coffee, I was anointed. And when I walked into Denny's, I was anointed. And then the hostess said to me, smoking or non-smoking? And I said, smoking, smoking, smoking. That is Don Pompano. Why? Because Don Pompano believes in the anointing for service. And he wanted those kids to know that when you get up in the morning, you get up with the anointing. When you get dressed, you get dressed with the anointing. When you go to Denny's, it takes an anointing. <laughs> My question to you is, are you anointed? Are you an anointed worshiper, or are you dead already, and we just haven't buried you? <laughs> the anointing came upon Jesus of Nazareth to serve, not to sit. The 
problem is that we have become gazers instead of involvers. We would like somebody else to build all those fields out there and put up the buildings. God says to those of you who have gifts, get your hammer out and let it be an anointed hammer. Get your plumbing gear out and plumb with the anointing. Some of you need to get your teaching gift out and teach with an anointing. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, and that was our pattern. And he anoints us to live life to the full and to invest ourselves in ministry to people. Not just the preachers. You see, I'm a minister, but I'm a minister to the ministers. You're the ministers. I am here to inspire you and give you God's word so that you might become a minister among ministers. We're to put our gifts to use. We're not to just sit there. We're to be anointed by the same Holy Spirit that Jesus was anointed with, that we might win our world for Christ's sake. And you dare not leave it up to somebody else. Everybody has a ministry to offer. That's the pattern. Now finally, in keeping with our theme for this month, he is our pattern in prayer. It says in Luke 6, 12, that he continued all night in prayer to God. Did Jesus have to pray? Yes, because he was the God-man. He was not only God, he was man, uniquely man. And he spent hours in prayer to the Father that he might do his will while he was here. And he became so earnest at times in prayer that he sweat in the garden great drops of blood. You say, can that happen today? Well, I know by history a man that worked with Charles Finney, his name was Abel Clary, who was so intense in his prayers that there were times he couldn't even stand on his knees. He would fall to the ground under a burden of prayer. He was an ordained minister, but he very rarely ministered because he couldn't stand to minister. He was such a prayer and had such a passion for prayer. In Rochester, New York, Mr. Finney was to conduct a crusade. And one day a man called Mr. Finney to say, do you know a man by the name of Abel Clary? He said, yes, I do. He said, well, he's here in my home and he can't even stand on his knees. He's so overcome by the passion of prayer. That story said that there were no less than 100,000 persons in Rochester, New York, who came to Christ in one week. Not because of the preaching of Finney, but because of the praying of Clary, Abel Clary, a man who rarely stood in front of people, but a man who always stood in front of God, praying, interceding. If I could just get you to believe that we could win Sacramento to Christ, it would be one of the most astounding things in the history of this country. If I could just get you to believe that, and pray for it, and put your gifts to work to bring it to pass. What an exciting thing it would be. You see, we wouldn't have to be talking about divorces and breakups and all kinds of sins. We would be so busy getting people to Christ that our lives would be in order because we would be following the pattern. We'd be, we would be obeying the word that was given to us, and in prayer we would be touching God, and God would be touching us. 
and we would be touching our world. Wouldn't that be something, though? Oh, the great effects of prayer. I think we've had a patch pattern. Some denominations even print their prayers in books, and you can take the books and read them. That's not prayer. Prayer comes from the heart. Prayer is not vain repetition. Prayer is intercession. Prayer is reaching out where the need is and touching God for that need. Prayer is honesty, as we've learned. Prayer is work. Prayer is intense. Prayer is two-way communication, man to God and God to man. And as Abraham Lincoln said, it has not yet been determined what can be done when people pray. Are you a prayer? Did you pray about today? I mean, did you really pray that God would anoint the pastor today? God would fill the church today? God would let the Holy Ghost come down? Or did you just get out and eat ham and eggs and come to church reading the paper, seeing how all the teams did and what the president's doing? Did you really come, what we call prayed up? We wonder why there are little results. I'll tell you why, because there's little prayer. Everything else comes first. I'm not scolding you. I'm just suggesting to you that you make a few adjustments. Did you sit up last night watching the late-night movie? How many murders did you see? How many rapes? How many bedroom scenes did you watch last night? And you came to church today to hear from God and to get all fired up to serve God. Never happened. Never happened. You've got to shut it off. Get to the prayer meeting. Prepare your heart. Prepare your soul. This is not kid stuff. This is not play. This is serious business. This is eternity we're talking about. These are souls we're talking about. And there'll never be one until we pray. Until we really get down to business and say this is priority business. This is priority stuff. Because Jesus made it that way. He's our pattern in prayer. I was moved by some of Colonel Oliver North's speech to the National Religious Broadcasters on the 1st of February this year. He said, I encourage you to encourage your friends and neighbors and co-workers to stay involved in the political process in this country. If we are truly to have government of, by, and for the people, then we, the people, must govern this nation. We're not here simply to endure the future, but to change it for the good. I love that line. We're not here simply to endure the future. We're here to change it for the good. We're not here to complain about the steepness of the climb, but rather to enjoy the view and breathe deeply the fresh air of God's freedom. We're not here as helpless creatures in an uneven contest, but rather as the sons and daughters of Adam, capable of affecting our own fate. And finally... We are not here to glorify ourselves, but him who made us all and who will eventually judge each one of us at the end of the journey on whether or not we really tried to be always faithful. Here's a spirit-filled Episcopalian saying that we can make a difference. And it's not in our strength, but it's in his. That it's through him and by him 
that we can make that difference in our nation, in our community, and that one day we will stand before the judge of all the earth to see whether or not we were really faithful. I only know of one way to ensure yourself faithfulness, and that is to follow the pattern. The pattern of Jesus in worship. The pattern of Jesus in temptation. The pattern of Jesus in service. And the pattern of Jesus in prayer. He is God's expression that we might have a model to follow. Your response to this message could be the most important moment of your entire life. Years ago, da Vinci, the great Italian painter and artist, had a desire to paint the Lord's Supper, and he worked a long time to do it. He put Peter in place and all the disciples, except he had not yet painted the picture of Christ or of Judas. And so he looked long and hard for his model. He wanted to find a person of such quality and character that it showed through his face. And one day while worshiping in a church in Rome, he saw a young man in the choir that just turned his spirit on and he said to himself, this is my man. He introduced himself, found out he was Pietro Bandinelli, and he said, Pietro, I want to use you as a model of Christ. And he found that his life was as beautiful as his face was. And he painted him on the canvas and paid him for sitting. Months passed. Years passed. And he had not really finished the painting. He had not yet put Judas on the canvas. And he was looking for a face and a character that was so debased that it would say to everybody who looked at the canvas what he felt Judas had done to his Lord. And one day while walking down a street in Rome, he came across a man, a beggar, so debased that he repulsed when he looked at him. But he said, this is my man. He talked to him and he brought him to the studio and the man sat and he painted his countenance on the canvas where Judas would be located. And then before dismissing him, Mr. Da Vinci said, I'm sorry, I did not even find out your name. And that wreck of a human hung his head and said, I am Pietro Bandinelli. He said, I am the man that sat here while you painted the face of Christ. Mr. Da Vinci was shocked. He had taken his money, he had squandered it, he had wasted his substance and wasted his life. He followed a wrong pattern. The one who portrayed Christ was now portraying Judas. You say, is it possible? Oh, yes. Unfortunately, we see it all the time. Lives that started out with beauty and with grace. Only to get following after the wrong voice and the wrong thing and end up in despair, hopelessness. The addicts of our world in many cases were people who had it all together at one time, but they got to following the wrong pattern. It makes it very easy for me to come and speak to you today on the power of a perfect pattern because I found that pattern it's Jesus Christ. 
you keep your eyes on him, everything will be well. You take your eyes off of him and you're going to sink in the muck and the mire of our time. But you lift your eyes to Jesus and say, I'm looking to you, Jesus, my pattern in worship, my pattern in temptation, my pattern in service, my pattern in prayer. I'll guarantee you, one day you will stand before him and he'll be able to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Would you consider it with your heart? God has a work to do in us. Let's allow him to do it as we look to Jesus. Let us pray together. Without anybody leaving, waiting until our benediction in respect to God and to his house, I want to, before I pray, encourage every one of you to be reaching up to this wonderful pattern that I've been talking about today. Paul said he has become a pattern to all who will believe in everlasting life. I want to know if you're a Christian this morning. Are you washed in the blood? Have you been forgiven of your sin? Are you walking in the pathway of righteousness? If not, I want to pray for you as our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. And I would like you to indicate that you would like that prayer by lifting up your hand and saying, Pastor Cole, I need the forgiveness of my sins. I need to come to Jesus, the perfect pattern, the Savior hung on a cross that I might live today and live forever, eternally, that is. Would you raise your hand and say, pray for me. I need Jesus in my life. Thank you. Right down here, sir. Thank you over here, sir. You may put your hands down once I've seen them. Others, raise them up. Let me see them. God bless you to my left, sir, and on the aisle, ma'am. God bless you. Thank you. Back over to my far left. Yes, up in the balcony. Hands up there. Yes, thank you. God bless you. God bless you over there in the far side, up and down. Are there others? Quickly, lift them up. Let me see them. I'm coming to Jesus, Pastor. Thank you back here, just off the middle section. God bless you. Praise God for this. Thank you. Yes, God bless you, sir. Praise God for this sight. What a pattern Jesus is. He'll never let you down. In all my years, I've never seen him to let anybody down. We've let him down, but he's never let us down. He'll carry you through. Any of you that have come to Christ already who need extra strength, reach out to him today. He loves you. He cares about you. He wants to build up the spiritual resources of your life today. Let him do it. Let him do it. There's no magic in it. It's just allowing him to be who he wants to be, God, Savior, Lord, Master. Father, while we pray, we lift up to you all of these whose hands were raised. What a sight, Lord. I pray that you will come to every one of them now in the power of your Holy Spirit. Save them. Forgive them of their sin. You said you would do it, Lord. You would never cast anyone away. So come to these now and forgive them and save them. And for all of us, Lord, that we may Think seriously on the message of the day that we will make Jesus Christ the pattern for everything. Not this world that has lost so much its moorings, but Jesus Christ who remains the same yesterday, today, and forever. We ask this in his great and holy name. Amen. Let's stand together, please, reverently before God.
I want to ask three things at the conclusion of this service. Number one, those of you who have received Christ but have not been baptized in water that you come down to this side by the American flag in a moment when we sing and get the material for tonight's water baptismal. Obedience brings power. Follow the Lord in water baptism if you've accepted him into your heart. Number two, if you raised your hand a few moments ago and said, pray for me, Pastor, I want you to do another thing, and that's to come forward, take the hand of one of our staff, and say, would you give me the material that Pastor Cole has put together, the tape and the booklet? And I want to confess publicly by coming my faith in Jesus Christ. I want to help you, and that is the way we can do that, by you coming before we dismiss, else we will not get together. I want you to come forward and let somebody share this material with you and have a prayer with you. And then thirdly, I would like everybody in this audience who knows you're not where you ought to be with the Lord spiritually. You're being buffeted by all kinds of things, temptations, winds of doctrine. In the last days, perilous times will come. They are here. It's difficult unless you have your eyes on Jesus, unless you're following the perfect pattern and if there's a weakness in your spiritual life that you feel is urgent and critical, I want you to come forward and make that known and let somebody pray for you as well. Well, you don't go out of here in that frame of mind and spirit. Let Jesus minister to you. He wants to. He's ready. As the staff takes their place and as Pastor Paul leads us in a song, you begin to come, won't you? Let us help you. You come from wherever you are.